right. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. We are here on a lovely Friday, uh, which will mean nothing to you, but everything to Bob and I, which is uh, we're one step closer to a pina colada on the beach, potentially, um, or at least <laughs> dreaming of one. Um, so today we've got an, an old friend uh, who makes a, I think the first uh, first time, th- three or four time appearance, I think four time, okay. Four time I think appearance. so. Uh, Bob London. Uh, Bob is a uh, man of many traits. He is a marketer, former marketer, uh, who is now um, building, training, and consulting around uh, SaaS companies and beyond, but uh, trying to help teams have better discovery, better questions, and that is going to lead to better outcomes for them because they're listening to customers better, uh, they're driving results, and ultimately, hopefully, driving business. So, um I don't know if I butchered that enough or not, but um, it's awesome. It's awesome. I might steal it. It's great to be here. I guess if it's my fourth time, you could say like he needs no introduction, but I'll take it. <laughs> and you are getting shaggier and shaggier, my friend, and I'm hey, very jealous about that. Uh, I, I actually recently uh, we just did a customer conference in DC um, for two days, and uh, I was told I look I'm the person who looks least like my LinkedIn photo. Uh, I've ever seen, which I think is true because my LinkedIn photo was about 10 years ago, maybe seven years ago. And uh, I have short That's hair, hilarious. you know, so um, I'm going to have to update that at some point. Um, Bob, before we jump in, I always like to do icebreakers. And uh, I think I've actually got two that I haven't asked you before, um, which are going to be pretty fun. So the first one is, um, which I don't know about you. So this is going to be a good, good question. If you say you're on the show Jeopardy, uh, you show up. You know, let's let's say the the late great Alex Trebek is reading the categories. Um, what if he's reading a category and you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna nail that whole category top to bottom. What's that? What is that? What's that topic or category gonna be? So first of all, I compliment you on the best icebreaker question I've ever heard. I would say Baltimore Orioles trivia for a thousand, and I would also say Sopranos trivia or the Sopranos. Oh, okay, yeah. So those I'd have to pick two, but that's a great question, Jeff. That's, I, a uh, that's good. That that helps us get into a little bit. So Baltimore Orioles fan, uh, Sopranos fan. I mean, that's a great TV show. I mean, that's been what a classic, you know, um, it's artwork. It's artwork. Yeah. I usually say uh, my answer has usually been early 2000s, like sports. I just remember that like that's the time uh, my dad read the news, like the physical newspaper. I mean, I was I was like reading the actual uh, box scores and stuff like back then. That was kind of before, I don't know, ESPN and cell phones became like the real thing to check sports. So like, I just remember reading uh, box scores and like one sentence, two sentence summaries of like games in like the USA Today. And so I just That's feel like awesome. I crushed that early 2000s sports. I, I can, I can really relate to that and I, not to, not to get too old school, but so I went to sleepaway camp when I was a little kid and my dad would send me something called the sporting news. So it's, it's a, yeah, yeah. A, a tabloid thing and it had every box score from every game that week. So there was, we couldn't get radio signals out in the mountains and there was no, obviously no internet. And uh, so I would devour that thing and catch up a week later on what was going on with all the teams, but particularly my beloved Baltimore Orioles, where I, that's where I'm from. So that's a great I, though that the newspaper thing is very, very vivid memory. I have a vivid memory of the sporting news uh, logo on the on the on the title or on the uh, cover. Um, it was like that. I don't know what the yeah. font was, but it was like it had um, 
shades of of kind of like the old English language where it was kind of yeah. Like long. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but I just remember that logo on the front. It was red, right? I think it was red sporting new exporting. Uh, so I remember that for a That's long a time. Great That's pull. crazy. That's a great pull. Great yeah. pull. Yeah. Um, great to be. Thanks for having me. Seriously. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm not letting you off that easy. I have another question uh, for you before we jump in and get serious on a topic. But uh, if Bob had to describe a perfect Sunday, what does that look like? Perfect Sunday for you? Yeah, I think um, so. So location wise, I would be where I am today, which is um, in a house uh, not far from uh, the ocean here in Delaware. So the, our beach in Washington, D.C. is either Delaware or Maryland, right? Very cross the border from each other. And I would be with uh, my wife and or and or kids. And we would be having coffee and chatting and hanging out in the morning and then doing something interesting later. Like there's so much to do down here. It's become a 24-7, 365 area where there's great restaurants all the time. There's a, used to be a ghost town in the off season. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good. It's all good. That's it. I love it. Yeah, I've got. Um, so we just moved to a new house, and one of the the perks or one of the reasons that we did was uh, we have a lot more yard and space, and so we have a now nice. we, we have a screened in porch, and uh, uh, we don't have outdoor furniture yet, but uh, pretty soon that's like next on the list to buy. And uh, my wife and I have said like that's you know sitting out on the screened in porch on a Sunday morning drinking some coffee, uh, you know having our son and dogs run around like that's that's going to be it here pretty soon. So I'm looking forward to that. That's fantastic. Um, all right, let's jump in. I know, uh, so we've, we've over the years had um, some awesome conversations. Like I said, you've been a, um, you're kind of a marketer by trade. And I think you bring a really interesting perspective of um, kind of market dynamics and trying to understand, hey, what's happening in the market? How do we really listen to our customers? Because um, that should inform uh, a lot of, you know, what we're doing, how we're saying it, um, kind of the marketing side. But you've brought that insight into the customer success realm. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations about kind of your discovery, how you lead and have great questions, um, how you have questions that basically uh, don't get one word answers. It's, you know, how do you ask a question, go on mute. Um, and so then I think an evolution that we've been talking about for quite a bit um, has been this idea of a QBR. And, um, you know, you really want to have meaningful interactions with customers. And over time, it's always felt like that cadence of having a quarterly review has become a little bit more of a check the box initiative for a CS team. Um, and I know you've got kind of a flavor that you've been um, putting out there called the UBR, where you try and reimagine, you know, what is it really like if we were to do a QBR, but do it the way that we we talk about it, almost execute the way we actually talk about it. So um, help introduce maybe the concept of uh, UBR and how you're you're thinking about changing the narrative around uh, some of these meetings that we can have with customers that are valuable. Yeah, well, obviously, it's a it's a topic I'm delighted to talk about because I'm uh, pretty passionate about it. So just a, a quick thing that people ask, what does the U stand for? So it it is not a literal uh, uh, acronym for anything, but the U does stand for you as in you, the customer, because a UBR is a meeting where you don't present slides. You don't try to pretend it's a QBR. You don't you don't present yeah. anything, which is a relief to us vendors and customers alike. No one really likes slides. And um, the, the point of the UBR is more like, it's like discovery or rediscovery on, on steroids is you're just taking anywhere between 15 to 30 minutes, maybe even as part of a, a regularly scheduled meeting 
to learn what is most important to the customer about their business and then try and understand how you are a component of their success. I don't want to hear the word success plans. I don't want to hear the word life's like, I don't want to hear anything other than just, it's so simple to say to a customer, Hey, um, on this week's call, do you mind if we take a, we'd love to take a step back for maybe just if we have time for a few minutes and ask a few questions about your world, what does the world look like from your perspective, all the way up to the highest level priorities of your company or your division, because that's how we're going to help you. That's how we can best help you is by understanding that. And, um, a big win would be then for us, as I consider myself a vendor, is if you understand what they're really trying to accomplish at the highest levels of the company by asking better questions, which is what happens in the UBR, you have the greatest chance of positioning uh, your the value of your product or service to align with what they're trying to accomplish, either at the board level or the executive level or one level below that. And the companies that stick and succeed and thrive today aren't not not everyone's thriving now you know the ones that do succeed will be the ones that have nailed the positioning of the value they deliver alongside what's most important to that company where all the budget and energy are flowing the ubr is a way to discover all that does that help that, yeah I, um a couple of things that you know stand out to me the the first part you know around ditch the slides uh, i think i think too many times we um, almost are like a bull in a china shop. We kind of come into the meeting and we need to make our presence known. And how do we do that? We present, right? We we show slides. Um, and it really comes, I, I tend to find it really comes from a place of um of doubt, right? We we actually don't trust that we've built a good relationship or that we've actually delivered value. So we must come in and in our minds, what we present we're taking up all the air in the room. So we can't, it's, it's like, we, uh, we can avoid the elephant in the room. Cause we're kind of, we're talking around it and we don't kind of leave a breath for anything else. Right. We kind of, um, so true on, Hey, you know, this is here, here's what we think is important. Um, so I love your point about ditching the slides. Cause I, I, and I also have found too, in, um, doing that, uh, it opens up other avenues to collaborate, right? It's not just on slides, but maybe we're now collaborating on kind of a virtual whiteboard together, or maybe we're collaborating on a Word doc where it's more written word and we can kind of see each other's thoughts that that come out instead of it being a three bullets here and a picture and a chart, you know, that has no context. Like, I just think that there are kind of other ways that you can um, do that. So that's the first thing that kind of stood out to me. Can I just address a couple things you said? Yeah. So, so invariably a slide deck is just more about us it's, yeah. and, 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 and customers are already sick of that. Um, there are a lot of studies that show that customers feel like vendors who listen to them are super important, but they're generally very poor at it. They're poor at discovery and it's huge gaps between what buyers and, and customers need from us and what we're delivering more slides just means it's invariably more about us. And I realized I was giving a talk last week and I, I realized, right, in, and I said it, it came to mind during the talk. I said, you know, PowerPoint has become like the third person. It's like an entity in the room yeah. now. It's, hi, I'm Bob, your CSM or your account manager, and uh, you're the customer. And this is my friend, Pete, the PowerPoint presenter. Like, you, are they supposed to look at him or her? Like, no, I want I want to just talk. And when I, when I said that, um, I, I gave a quick anecdote of, of a, a CSM and I had the privilege of working with her team 
and they went off to do the training that I taught them to go practice it. And she came back and said, uh, I went on site to visit a customer and I had, I, I was going to ask all your questions or some of your strategic, you know, disruptive questions, but I also had a, an update to give them. And uh, we were in their office and the fire alarm went off and we had to split and we ended up in a restaurant where I felt it was not appropriate to just bring up this PowerPoint slide deck. And so she said, it was the craziest thing. We just talked. And I said, oh, what'd you talk about? And she told me. And I said, how'd that work? She said, I learned so much more about them that was important than I ever did. But most importantly, the customer said at the end, you know, this is when I think of all the vendor meetings I've ever had, I don't remember ever feeling like I talk about what's important to us like I did today. So that's my good go-to PowerPoint story. It's just one example that I think a lot of people in your audience hopefully can relate to. Yeah. Uh, I, I completely agree, by the way. No one likes building a PowerPoint anyways. It's uh, never really that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it really, um, when you think about it, it is ridiculous how much time and effort goes into it. Oh, and then God. to drag, just because you created it, you got to drag them to every slide and every bullet point and every slide and read it to them. Come on. Let's get real. The, uh, the other thing, too, is that it just isn't how... Um, a lot of times, right, you were building presentations because you were going on site, right? It became a kind of theatric <laughs> spectacle. And now we've just basically adopted that and said, hey, we just need to do this. We need to cram as many meetings into a day and we need to do this as many times as possible instead of stepping back and thinking like, just like you said, it. what is the appropriate uh, conversation that we're having here? Um, the second thing that I thought was pretty interesting about um, how you're just talking about the positioning of, of this conversation and um, thinking about, you know, just asking questions about their business. Um, I have talked a lot recently about this, this concept of um, kind of three levels that a CSM needs to be good at. One is product, which I think is where everyone focuses, you know, how do I do X in the product? Um, do I have the best practices? Can I show how to configure something? Um, but then there's the next two levels up. And this is where I think your questions to me um, really become interesting because I think the next level up is business, which is, do I understand how my my customer makes money? That's that's at the core, the question that I want somebody to be able to answer. So if I were to come to Bob and say, Bob, you're working with Acme, what's Acme do? Oh, I, I don't want you to say Acme makes shoes. You know, I want you to say Acme, uh, yeah, they make shoes, but you know, they wholesale 20% of their business, then they go direct to consumer 80% of the time. Great, that's a really good insight. We understand how the mechanics of how they want to make money because then we start to see how that kind of flows, right? There's other things like what are their strategic priorities and stuff that flows out. But if I can kind of answer that fundamental question, um, I can, like you said, position myself a lot differently having known that. Uh, the third level that I think about is market, which is, do I understand how my customer sits in the market they serve today? Do I understand what are some of the mechanics of that market? Um, what are some of the dynamics that are happening right now? Um, you know, is it, uh, a market that's thriving? Is it a market that's um, retracting? Um, but can I understand that? If I if I can understand our product really well, if I can understand their business, and I, if I can understand their market, um, like you said, then then I should be able to have um, conversations that actually move beyond our product, which is what all of our customers want, which is they're trying to solve a problem. Our product usually is 10%, 20%, 30% of that problem, maybe. Um, if I can understand the other two kind of layers, then, wow, I become much more valuable to the conversation and to kind of the output that they're coming at. So that's where I think your uh, concept and this idea of, hey, are we just asking the right questions in my mind fits in this, hey, if CSMs can kind of level up what they're doing, um, yeah. it becomes so much more valuable to the, the customer. Yes, I, I, I think that is 
the same that that is rooted in the same we're we're talking about the same thing two sides yeah. of the same coin and i think that uh, I, I because sometimes when i say oh you need to ask better questions oh so so they'll talk about the product more no 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 we want them to talk about them because they're sick of talking about the product it goes back to the powerpoint thing which i agree with what you said before by the way i wrote down the word powerpoint is a crutch we lean on it and um yeah, yeah I, I think i think what I always say to people, which is mirrors what you're thinking and what you just talked about is think about it this way. Customers are not experts in their product, nor do they want to be. No one ever says, oh, I want to be, grow up to be a great software user of this particular you know, platform. They're experts in their job and what their company is trying to do. And that's why they are so engaged when you ask about that instead of your product. So if you want to get them, it's just like the example I give with my kids. They used to come home from school and uh, and, you know, what did you learn in school today? Like right out of the dad playbook. And they would just, you know, sul- give me these sullen looks and monosyllabic answers while they're dipping into their Cheerios or whatever to snack. And then I started saying, so what happened today that was funny or annoying? And that was their language. So they opened up and it was about them. And then that led to conversations about class and what they learned. So there you go. It's the same with customers. The same thing. Uh, I, I think you're going to love this, but you can also critique me. We, um, just ran a customer conference uh, for, uh, we had about 250 customers or so on site uh, at this conference. And um, they charged me with uh, writing the closing survey or the, the follow-up survey. Um, so I did a couple things that I feel like are unorthodox that actually uh, I got called out in a meeting from our CMO the other day. She said, oh, wow, I really like that we did that. Uh, so it kind of worked out in my favor, but oh, good. there's there's two things that I uh, did for a purpose. One was, um, we asked them how their experience was and, you know, a couple different ways, but the scoring mechanism I used was basically a four point scale instead of a five point. Cause I didn't want a bunch of averages. I either want you to mm-hmm. tell me it was above average or below average, but I was trying to force the, cause a lot of times people don't want to be quote unquote mean, or they don't, you know, they, they want right. to, if I can go right down the middle, great. I'm just going to choose that a lot of the time, right. There's a lot of research that kind of talks about that. So I kind of wanted to force one or the other. So that's one thing that we did that I thought actually worked in our favor. Um, people kind of called that out. The second was instead of asking questions like uh, open-ended questions that were like, how was your experience? Um, what I asked, uh, I asked it in what I would think of as language that I would think of going to an event. So I said, um, what brought you a lot of energy? So yeah. how did you, you know, where, where was it that you found yourself like, oh my gosh, I'm so like amped up. Was it the opening keynote? Was it some presentation you sat in? Was it just talking to our team? Uh, but yeah. asking it in that way, we got some really interesting answers. Like somebody wrote the keynote. Somebody else wrote, um, I had a one-on-one session with your team and it was like the most amazing 30 minutes that I've spent. Uh, so it's just really interesting. And then I asked the same on the opposite side. I said, um, what was the moment that just left you puzzled or frustrating, or frustrated during, That's the, awesome. during the event? Uh, so anyways, I just kind of along. Your I path, love that. I mean, um, like, you know what? People appreciate when you ask a question where some thought went into it and it's not a, a rubber stamped, you know, machine produced a uh, highly polished corporate sounding question. I love that, Jeff. I love that. And just another one to throw in there is, I don't know if it fits in a survey framework, but um, you know, if you, when you, when you get back and someone says, how was the conference? What's the first first thing you think of to share? Or, or did you learn anything? You know, that's just another, take it out of the realm of, oh, big company asking, you know, person at an event, how it was like, it's just, people are getting sick of that. You know, it's, it's too one to many ish. And so I love what you did. Kudos. Uh, 
Yeah, we took that question that you just said, and I, the way I framed it was, um, what are you excited to go teach your team? Oh, you good. Um, and kind Although of that, does, that does presuppose that they're, they're, they were excited about something, but that's, that's exactly the right idea. That's True. exactly the right idea. Um, so when you, yeah, so as you've thought about, and I know you, you've started doing trainings around this kind of concept of the UBR, asking better questions and, and trying to get um, into this realm, um, I, kind of maybe two, one question that I had coming from the, uh, from the top, I'm curious if you've experienced this is, um, are you finding a lot of CS teams are, are finding it hard to even get the customer on, a, on the call or on the phone? Yeah. Like, is it, you know, are they, is it almost like we've kind of actually gone down a path so far that they're like, you know, I don't, I don't want time with you. Cause I know how this kind of QBR is going to go. Um, I guess, have you found that your, t- the teams that you've been training, have they had to really go back and sell, Hey, we're, I, I don't want to present to you. You know, I, I want to come and, and ask questions like have they had to kind of reposition this a lot um, because we've yeah passed so far. There, there is some repositioning because I think you're right that customers' instinct is oh another ask or yeah. another they want another chunk of time where they can tell me something like and and we've talked to I talked to Jay Nathan about this last year that when a, when you tell a customer oh we have a new feature to them it's like oh my god our workflows are going to get screwed up and all that they don't always get like oh it's manna from heaven yeah. so. And, and that's our fault collectively. We've conditioned customers to be that way. So the, it's a simple repositioning. And anybody who wants to hit me up on LinkedIn, I can send them the, there's a couple templates I use and that I encourage people to use. It just basically says, hey, um, during our next call, whatever that is, would love to be able to take a, if we have time, would love to be able to take a step back with you and ask just a few questions about your world. What's, your, what's going on in your company? What's going on in your job? What's coming up that's big for you? just to make sure we have a, as, as full an understanding as we can about your world, which will help us, you know, ultimately be a better partner to you. So it's that simple. You could also just, there's a talk track where you could, at the beginning of the call, you could say, Hey, if we have a, you know, it's really about the step back. Yeah. The broader answer to your question is when I do or, or, or have teams do a listening tour, it gets, it's, it's harder. It has to be a message. And there's a template for this too, that gets about a 70% conversion rate which is high. Yeah. So it basically says, Hey, we are making a concerted effort to raise the bar on our understanding of not only you, the customer, but of our marketplace, because we want to, we're focused on getting better and, and being more innovative and being around for a long time and being positioning ourselves as successful, which is good for everybody to that end. We would love to have a 20 to 30 minute conversation with you. That is just about you. Um, what, how have your priorities shifted since, you know, the downturn or, you know, what yeah, yeah. you don't even have to be specific. <clears throat> and uh, that kind of curiosity based message, as long as it's authentic, has a very high success rate. But with that said, there are certain situations if a customer is annoyed with you to begin with, and they get that message, they're not going to, you know, that they might respond to, to deliver a message of annoyance. Sometimes they'll, they will be silent just to express their, like, I'm not meeting with you on anything until you get this stuff fixed over here that we've yeah. talked about. But but generally, I'll also say that the teams I work with, I think are, they're, they're leaning in, the, the reason that they even are interested in something like a UBR or training on what I call radically authentic discovery is because they, they think that they and their customers will be better off um, having those kinds of conversations, either because of better insights to lead to innovation avoiding surprise churn, which is a huge use case, uh, identifying new revenue opportunities. And so 
I don't think they'd be asking for the training if they didn't feel like their customer, that they had the right relationships with their customers. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's like they're, they, they still, um, they believe it's, they believe a relationship is there. They want to find a way to unlock kind of that next level. Um, how do we kind of get to the, um, to the next piece? The, um, the other interesting part too, that I, I think about quite a bit is, um, we always kind of tell, or there's always been this moniker of like, Hey, we need our CSMs to be really strategic. Yeah. We need them to go be more, you know, they need to know more strategy. And, um, I always ask why, or like what mm-hmm. that means to people now when I hear that, um, because I just think we've thrown that around for so long, but then it's not never really defined for people or like, what does that actually, um, mean? And I relate it a lot to, I think the, the direction you're going, right? Like I think of, um, if we're trying to make CSMs more strategic, then we are getting them to, um, understand the mechanics of business better. We're getting them to understand, understand the market better. Uh, because then like, I think you were, you're talking about, right. Then they can, um, better understand how our product fits within that business and it fits within that market. And therefore right. that to me is uh, strategic or strategy because it's okay. Um, how does our product basically solve problems for business? How does it solve problems in the market? Uh, and then how can we position it and maybe multiple ways, right? Like it doesn't, I think the thing that I've picked up maybe from what you're talking about is um, sometimes we position a product during a period of time um, that doesn't mean it's going to stay that way forever or it doesn't shift. Right. Don't learn something. And right. especially the last two to three, five years have taught us is that um, these these changing conditions therefore mean that we must think about how does that story come out to play? Because um, I might be saying things radically different now than I did during uh, the first start of the pandemic, or I might be saying things radically different than last year when things were on the rise and, you know, uh, things were up uh, in terms of the market and conditions. Like, so there's, I don't know, there's all these, all these different pieces that um, I just feel like when we say more strategic, I think it starts to lend itself to the direction you're, you're trying to help train these people and also take these conversations, which is um, you talk more about you and I'm going to then figure out um, if it's important to you, and does our product basically overlay on top of that? Yeah, I think it's you raise a really important point. And what you just said about the shifting tides, I want to come back to that because that is, to me, that that should be on everyone's mind, everyone. And it's not. So the first thing is strategic to me simply means below the line would be the things that they, that they signed up for us to do. What's the product supposed to do? Yeah. Plus or minus 10%. Uh, what level of support are they getting plus or minus 10%? And are we doing the things that we said we were going to do? And then everything ab- above that is undefined. So it's understand strategic. So that's tactical below the line is like, we know we need to do this stuff. Yeah. Above the line is how does the customer really define value on their terms? And do we understand that we are a puzzle piece in the bigger picture of their success and all that, what you just said? not just in their success in their job, but their department and their company's success at some level. And that that's what I think strategic means. It doesn't mean having to be like read the Wall Street Journal and Harvard Business Review every day and, and understand, you know, sort of broader business strategy and macro trend. I don't, I don't think that's what it's about in my view. The other thing though is the reason what you said is so important and so many people miss this is the stuff above the line changes all the time yeah. and it affects what's below the line. If you ask, if you did an instant poll of your audience listening to this and you said, how many of you have been asked to do more with less, like 90%, how many of you, how many of your companies are operating with the same mission and principles and priorities that you were 
you know, three months ago or six months ago, none, no one's the same. Well, yeah. why would you assume your customers are any different, right? Yeah. And so it's important to understand the delta between what the customer's world was like when you when they bought your product and what it's like now. And to your point, it's almost undoubtedly shifted. And that's what I believe CSM's role and account management and companies at large have to understand what's going on in that, in that, that shift because it's probably not just affecting one customer of yours. It's affecting a bunch, a cohort, or maybe every single one of them yeah. and, or a huge chunk of the ICP. And so if you don't know that, then you risk someone else figuring it out before you do a competitor. Yeah, that's a great, uh, that's a good clippable line right there. Um, <laughs> well, at least I got one of them. You risk your competitor. The uh, the other thing that I was just thinking about too that I like, uh, I just I've forgotten to mention that I, I think goes along in this conversation too is, um, and you you mentioned this um, kind of connotation earlier, this note which was getting beyond the product. Like we talk about our product too much. I still think everybody talks about the product too much. I'll you know I'll keep saying that forever. Um, and the companies that win are the companies that realize the product has people that surround it and the product has process that surrounds it and the product has techno other technology that surrounds it. And what I mean by that is if I can go learn who successful, who are our successful customers and what are the types of roles that surround our product? What are the types of processes that surround it? How they integrated it into their data or tech stack or analytics? Um, those three things become the other side of the coin. I think you're talking about as well that, I'm not solely just talking about our product for product's sake. It's I'm helping you to say, you know, the best, our best customers are successful when you get a marketer and a CS person around our product. So I know you're from marketing. Do you have a CS person that we can pull in? Right. Like that, right. like you said, that, that stitching is where you become valuable because now you are helping them in the fabric of their business and it becomes about them, not about your product, right? Hey, you know, then you have a better relationship with CS. Now you all, now you both are aligned on this product, which is going to help solve X, Y, and Z. So that's the other piece that I think your kind of UBR and the method and like kind of the thought process is going down to, which is this, if you can get outside your product, then you become really valuable to uh, that person because now you're talking about things that they can actually go impact as well inside of their business. I think that is incredibly insightful and well said the way you said it too. I mean, I think that, um, so I do these, in addition to the training and coaching, I do customer listening tours. One of the things I hear a lot across industries and levels and job titles is tell me how other, a customer, uh, my client's customer says, tell me how other companies are using this. Tell me how they're finding success. Share something with me. Give me an insight. Tell me a use case that we're not thinking of. Tell me what we're missing. Because we, we again, it goes back to customers are not experts in your product. Yeah. They're experts in their business. So they're craving context and useful context and insight. And what you just said, if, if companies did that, I think it would have a huge impact on retention and expansion because you're basically saying, here's, and another thing is connect, you may have posted about this not long ago, connect two or three of your customers together to let them talk. It doesn't have yeah. to be a full-blown community with all due respect. I mean, it could be, or maybe it's, it, maybe it, it pr proves the ROI of having a larger community is just put three of them together on a LinkedIn. I did this put three customers together on a LinkedIn chat and see what happens. They all have, it's not about you, uh, the, the person who put them together. It's just to, to hear how they talk about the same problems and how they solve them. And it's, uh, that's what customers crave is context. That's useful to help them use the product better and be more successful. You're spot on. The, uh, the other thing that I'm just thinking about too, going along your, um, 
nobody likes slides is uh, <laughs> nobody, nobody also likes, like we, we think we've solved this problem of um, telling stories to our customers about other successful customers with a case study. And nobody likes case study because no, no. all it says is the result that happened. And there's no, like you said that the, the thing that a customer really wants is the behind the scenes details of the, not just what, what I did in the product to make it happen, but what I do outside of the product to make that successful. And that's the, every case study in the world just misses that. But yet we spend so much time and energy saying, I need more case studies, need more case studies. And I, th- I feel like this, this is becoming in my mind, a moment of like a, uh, no one likes slides. No one, no one really likes your case study. And we should really yeah. imagine those um, to be better storytelling. I think that case studies are taken with a titanic grain or boulder of salt. <laughs> think about, and I'm a marketing guy, so I feel like I, I can say this, or I try to just tell the truth, right? Yeah. Where do case studies come from? It's almost like the stork. They come <laughs> from marketing. Well, just mar- is marketing in the business of kind of giving raw both sides of the story, like the guts of it, or are they kind of is marketing's role to kind of put package it up and put a really nice polish and spin on it and make it part of the success stories of the company. It's the latter. So with all due respect to everybody, like, yeah, I, I, I'm always amazed. I, and I think case studies have their role. I think they're yeah. really important. I, I love when companies have a customer forum and three really big name customers are, are on a panel discussion and they talk that's, that can be very valuable. But yeah. I, I'm a big believer in the authenticity of lifting the covers and saying, well, what, where's, how was the sausage made? Cause it, yeah. it probably wasn't pretty, but I want to know that's what customers want. I, in my view, I agree yeah. with you. Um, well, I know we've got maybe a couple minutes left and, um, I'm, I'm curious cause I think you've been around marketing for so long that I feel like you, you kind of inherently probably know some, um, I'll call them tricks or watering holes. And I just, I, I kind of keep getting this thought where, um, I, I mean, I've done listening tours too. I think they're valuable. I mean, CSMs go have one-to-one conversations with customers. Like think about all the content that you could kind of build from that, the ideas that you get from, from those types of conversations. But, um, I'm just curious if, if there are other areas that you would encourage customer success leaders to go where they could even just kind of, like you said, be a fly on the wall of a, Hey, what are some of our customers even thinking when we're not in the room kind of thing? You know, um, I have a couple of ideas in mind that I can get us started. If, um, if you want yeah, me to go for it. Uh, so there's two, one is first one is just LinkedIn. Like, I just think the, mm-hmm. the, the most natural thing that you could probably do is um, either going to search for um, certain hashtags or certain concepts that your customer, that your company deals with and just go read those types of posts. There's going to be somebody, um, in your niche, who's kind of talking about things that I think really, um, would happen. The other is, um, I think naturally you always start to find vocal customers of yours. Um, you know, whether it's, um, through kind of MVP programs, whether it's through speaking opportunities, webinars, like you said earlier, kind of getting customer panels together, there's going to be naturally a couple. And, um, one thing I've tried to always do in my career is I always kind of end some calls with those types of customers with a, um, hey, you know, real quick, but like, uh, where do you go? Where do you go? Yeah. Learn? Where do you go read? What do you, what do you, uh, what newsletter have you subscribed to recently? But just a casual, you know, don't make them, hey, don't, hey, put a, li- put a list of 10 places you go together. Like no one ever really thinks of everything, but if you kind of in the moment, just kind of say, hey, what's the newsletter you read on a regular basis? Or is there a podcast that you listen to? Because again, those are like places that I know that you could go pick up on customer vernacular. You can kind of hear 
um, what they're thinking about and talking about. Again, that's probably not related to your product, but is extremely valuable in how you think about positioning your stuff. So those are two that I just thought of kind of off the top. No, that's, you, well, you stole LinkedIn from me. That's a good one. Because, but I think it's like, it's like chat GPT. You have to know what to ask LinkedIn, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think following hashtags is really good. I think the challenge with it is that there's so much self-promotion and, and supposed thought leadership that you have to kind of wade through some of that. So, I mean, I'll go in the other direction and it's not a community and it's not a, it's not a predictable source. But for depth, I'll give you two answers. For depth, I, I would just say Google and Reddit. Like, I'll give you a quick example. I gave a talk a couple of weeks ago in New York, and it was to an audience of technology directors for public school, mostly public school systems. So their wow. constituents are teachers, vice principals, administrators, principals, students, and parents. Like a, a tough, tough, tough job to keep the systems running for all that. So I think it must have been on Reddit. I said, at first I Googled, what's it like to be a teacher? Because the talk was about curiosity and empathy. Like, what's it really like to be a teacher? So they could empathize with their users. Yeah. And first I found kind of the garden variety, like a teacher is someone who shares knowledge. It's very straightforward, almost like one room schoolhouse type thing. Then I found a more, another, and I showed these on slides. And the next one was a little more in depth. It's like, teachers are responsible for the, the growth of a diverse group of, you know, and I was like, oh man, I'm starting to sweat. That sounds hard. Yeah. And then the third one was completely different. It was the, the deepest one was, Hey, when I was a kid, you know, I had, I used to eat those popsicles and I had this little weird habit of, you know, that sucking all the color out of the popsicle until it turned white and then I would eat it. And then he said, as a teacher, at the end of the day, I feel like that popsicle just completely sucks dry. And when I put that up there, the audience really understood what it was like to be a teacher. So I think there's all kinds of nooks and I'm, in, I'm a big nook and cranny guy. Like I'll tunnel underground to find backstories and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm a big believer in doing that. Um, the more predictable steady stream of insight to me, which is objective, is a company called Industry Dive, which I, I've known their founders for a number of years. I did work for them five, six years ago, but I have no vested interest in it otherwise. They cover every industry under the sun with a specific a news feed or stream or e-newsletter, waste management, supply chain, oh, yeah. finance, and that supply, they're all called something, something dive. Yeah. And if you want to know what those people are reading in your target audience or your, to your point earlier, in your customer's target audience, they, they do a great job of covering it in a very quick, understandable way with good perspective and analysis. So industry dive, if you go there, you'll find uh, a bunch of like 25 vertical newsletters that it's free, sign up. Yeah. That's, I mean, um, that's like the, the thing that is in my mind the most is like a lot of this stuff is just consumable. If you can go find a couple sources and then, you know, again, you can kind of turn that into some power if you can find the right ways to create some content for your, your customers. Um, well, I think you nailed it. It's like, read what your customers are reading man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, Bob, this has been fun. I know, uh, fourth time on, um, I think the, the uh, idea or the thing I think we're trying to leave people with here is just, um, you know, the concept of, you know, how do you have some of these step back conversations with customers? How do you kind of reassess and align on a relationship building conversation that is um, about them that's focused on their business um, and really trying to get outside of just your product and how your um, product fits in the, the bigger picture of their business and the market. Um, and so I think there's a ton of good insights to take out of this. Um, if people want to find more about you, where's the best place to go? Yeah. So I have a, actually a free 
little mini email course um, on the UBR, which gives away every, pretty much everything you need to know to go have these better, more revealing conversations. So you can either go to strategiccustomerconvos.com, strategiccustomerconvos, and then there's a on the drop down under training, it says, what is a UBR? The other is just follow me on LinkedIn. There's a banner with the same address or just message me and I'll send you the link. And it's a little opt-in. It's very gentle. I'm not a spammer. And then it gives you the emails with each one has a, a lesson. And then at the end, there's an ebook. It's all free. I mean, I'm just trying to kind of get more people to do it, um, yeah. you know, on their own. That's awesome. Uh, well, yeah, I'm, uh, I'll make sure we link everything in the, uh, the bio, but this has been helpful. I know you're uh, somebody that spreads a lot of good insights and expertise. So I appreciate you doing this for the fourth time. You're welcome, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't give a huge community shout out back to Gangro Retain and you and Jeff. And uh, I think that part of my success comes from not just like the tailwind of being featured as a, as a podcast, that's huge, but to set up a place where I learned what was important in the CS world and enabled me to grow what I do and pinpoint certain things and build relationships. I don't know, man, I would have paid for the privilege um, over these last three or four years. So I'm not saying I want to start paying, but it's <laughs> unbelievable. what you guys built is so incredibly valuable and generous. I hope you guys realize that every day. So thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, we're excited. Still here doing it. So um, good. Still good. Around. All right. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one -on -one connections, share ideas, Ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon.